I'm Sydney. And I'm Peyton. And welcome to Let's Get Booked Up. I read Lord of the Flies, Obvi, um, Queen of Shadows, Obvi, and then I also read, oh, The Candy House, Obvi, um, and then I also read Say Nothing. I finished, I read it like half in December, half in January, but I finished uh, Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland. I'm saying the whole title. I don't really have to, but I am. That was fantastic. That was so, so good. It was also, look at me starting the year off with a nonfiction book. What? Are you proud of me? Yeah. So I read that. Highly, highly recommend. It was really good. And because I listened to most of it, I probably read maybe like 20% of it on my Kindle or on my iPad Kindle app. But um, the narrator was like Irish. So it was a good listen. And then I read... The Clockwork Princess, which is the last one in the Infernal Devices series. I literally, I cannot believe after all these years I finished the Infernal Devices. I can't believe I did that. I DNF'd that in high school. No. Oh, God. I'm not even close. Yeah, basically... No, I know. I don't, I basically haven't even put a dent in it. And I'm not even going to attempt anything until after the SJM rereads. No. Need more months of Sarah J. Mass. Yeah. We've got like a whole two months of just the tandem read. But anyway, um, yeah, it was good though. Oh god, the ending. I I was sobbing. I was driving home in my car and I was listening to it. I, I was sobbing. And then of course I'd call Sam and I was like, Why didn't you tell me the book ends like that? She was like, Why would I tell you how the book ends? And I was so mad. It was really good though. That's funny. That's so All right, what about you? Um, well, I started off with two memoirs, and they are the polar opposites of each other. The first one that mm. I finished was Educated by Tara Westover, and it is mm. the girl who grew up in, like, a really fundamentalist, like, LDS home in Idaho, and she was homeschooled her whole life, and she ends up, like, going to Harvard and becoming, like, she gets her doctor and does all these things, and her family literally says she's possessed by the devil because she did all these things. And it's not really about her journey from mormonism it, that's just kind of like a subplot but it's more about going from literally being quote-unquote homeschooled but really just not knowing anything to going to an ivy league school and just that journey of growth in her own self and like relearning things and i think the thing that shocked me the most in the book was that her dad's reasoning for why their homeschooling had to be a secret is because he said his friends who had a farm not that far away from them pulled their kids out and became homeschooled and then the the um dragon firearm administration came out and killed them all 
And the daughter had no frame of reference for this, and she's like, that's so crazy. The, they, like, the government came and killed this whole family because they were homeschooled? Guess who these people were? No. Ruby Ridge. No. Homeschooled related at all. And she's like, either my dad's illiterate and dumb, or he actively lied to me, and I don't know which is worse. Mm-mm-mm. It's nuts. So, very good. That was a five-star. Five-star read. Then I listened Life Will Be the Death of Me and You Too by Chelsea Handler. It's her personal memoir. Have you ever heard of it? No way. Yeah. I think it's her most recent book. I'm going to be honest. I know that her persona is not warm and cuddly and can be a little off-putting. But I thought that her memoir would be less so. And she's she's her. Wow. Funny. And that's cool. But she is off-putting. Like, she is the problem. So I finished the book liking her even less, <laughs> but not because, I, like, it wasn't a surprise. I was just really hoping for, that she was a better person. Wow. And then Lord of the Flies, of course, you know, when I think about that, then I listened to Amy Poehler's last memoir called Yes, Please. It was medium. It was really, um, how do I say it? It was really weird to hear the voice of joy from from inside out screaming cuss words through my car because with amy poehler's face i can picture her being a comedian but with right yeah you're a cartoon character and that was super weird (laughs) um then i read queen of shadows as y'all know and i listened to jesus and john wayne how white evangelicals Corrupted a faith and fractured a nation. I feel like I'm more educated in this field because I listen to way too many political podcasts. Anyway, so I don't feel like I learned a whole lot, but it did reaffirm all of my judgmental biases. That, okay, that makes me want to read it more then. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're maybe a Ronald Reagan hater, you'll have a fun time. Oh, my God. Reagan is your idol, you should listen to this at the gym because it'll make you lift weights because you're so angry. So, it was well, uh, the narrator isn't like an intriguing voice, but it's also not like an exciting book, it's mostly just facts. So, yeah, then I read Things We Never Got Over, which is a book that my friend actually left with me that she had read, and it's a rom-com smutty situation that ends in a mob holdup. Oh. Oh. And it's like a long, a long rom-com. Not one of those, like, itty-bitty ones. It's hmm. like over pages. I gave it a 4, and in my review, I specifically wrote, like, the rest of the book is a 3.5, because some of the internal monologue is very cheesy. But I like the ending. So. Then I read Candy House. And we'll talk about that later. Nice. All my books. It was eight. Yeah, I had five. That's okay. We're well on our way to our goals. Yeah. Once I God, once I finish Flame and Shadow, my page numbers are just gonna skyrocket. Yeah, actually. Almost done. Yeah, actually. Yeah. But yeah. That was it. Now we're going to talk about our currently readings, and Sydney is up first. 
Duh. It's called I Don't Need No You and Other Lies I've Told Myself by Tony Lodge. My, my car right now. So that's. I'm reading, obviously, of course, Tower of Dawn, Empire of Storms, um, and Flame and Shadows. So, okay, we're recording this on the 31st. It's coming out on Friday. Like, y'all are listening to this. CC3's been out for a couple days already. CC3, right now came out yesterday i've already read like 500 pages which is good and bad because i want like i don't want to see any spoilers on accident i want to know what happens but also like i don't want to know what happens i don't want to finish this book i never want it to end i'm so scared for the ending i'm so scared so we'll talk about that later but i want to hear your non-spoiler spoilers so, like, you're not spoiler reactions later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those obviously all the all the mouse books. And I'm also, I'm still reading Manacled. Uh, I mean, I'm not, like, reading it actively, like, right now. But I will finish it because it is really good. I'm just obviously preoccupied. And then I'm also reading with my classes. Like, I'm reading Salt to the Sea by Ruta Sepetis, which I read this time last year, mm-hmm. which I will be reading this time for years to come if I keep teaching this same grade and subject and everything. Count it every year. Yeah. It gets to count in your book totals. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> and then um, I'm also reading Ground Zero by Alan Gratz, which I have also read before. I read this with my sixth graders. Now I'm reading it with some of my eighth graders, which is kind of fun. Yeah, every all the reviews that I saw said it is almost like they're just in the like the um uh Taylor Jenkins read books. Like they're in the same universe, it's some of the same characters, but it's not like a continual storyline. So I was like, mm, okay, I guess it's fine." But <laughs> this just I don't know. Like, I'm kind of tempted to read because it's called, the first one technically is called A Visit from the Goon Squad. I'm really tempted to read it to see if it gives me any context for any of these characters. Because after reading this entire book, do I have any context for these characters? No. I feel like I have the wrong kind of information and context about these characters. Like, I did not get what I feel like I needed from them. <laughs> not a lot of characters? No, there's no... Yeah, no. I... Okay, so... I think the book was going to be about. Okay, so, so... I thought the book was about... Well, okay, the blurb talks about the whole own your unconscious thing where you can like see your memories and see other people's memories and 
whatever, which sounds really cool and like sci-fi and technology, whatever. It sounded cool. And you start the book, right? The first chapter is Bix, who invented this thing and created it. And I feel like, oh, I feel like it's one of those things where they say so much, but they are saying nothing. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of words and that's it. But I just thought it was going to be about like that. I thought it was going to be about, I guess I thought it was going to be more directly about the technology and stuff and how it directly affects people. And I feel like we got a lot of indirect effects and just like glimpses into things instead of really deep storylines. I don't know. What about you? So I thought kind of similarly to you, I knew that there were point of view changes. And honestly, I should have looked at my edition on Storygraph better and I would have seen just how many narrators there are because there's a new narrator for every chapter. Um, I originally thought, like you, that was going to be more directly aligned with learning about the unconscious portion. And whenever I started it, the first four to five chapters follow people that are more closely tied to Bix because everything kind of spiderwebs from there. Yeah. In a weird butterfly effect or ten, what is it? Um, ten. Oh, the what? Ten degrees of separation. Yeah, the ten degrees from uh, what's his name? Oh gosh, from Kevin Bacon. It, it felt like that storyline, mm-hmm. but at the beginning, we're following four to five people that are really close to Bix and or Bix, and I thought that mm-hmm. we were going to rotate through them and see how the unconscious played into their lives. Yeah, and how the dynamics were because some people were pro unconscious, some people weren't because in the unconscious you're basically uploading all of your memory essentially like the cloud but then everyone can access the cloud for public information at least that's what i gathered i don't know it was kind of vague as well yeah um and i could see you know the pros and cons of that and people do point that out throughout the book but i thought there was going to be a little bit more tension with the characters that we met in the first four to five chapters but once they're gone they're gone we never see them again. They um, randomly, so a couple of them randomly pop up, like Rebecca, um, and then some of them are like mentioned, but a lot of them it's like they're, it's about like their kids or something, not them. Yeah. Which is like, what? what's the point of being introduced to them? Yeah, like, it was very interesting how the characters webbed. And don't get me wrong, I think that some of the stories were really insightful, and I think that it was a really interesting, like, human interest type piece. Oh, yeah. Like, you see a lot of people go through mental health and go through father-daughter, mother-daughter type relations. You see people hit, like, a midlife crisis point. You see people struggle with addiction. You see a guy, trigger warning, um, contemplate and attempt suicide. Like, you see all these things, but I'm not necessarily sure what entire point I was supposed to get from the book besides just bonding with these characters or hating these characters for a little bit and then not really ever seeing them again. And maybe that was the point. Maybe I'm too stupid for the book. That's a possibility. 
I, I was wondering the same thing because I felt really bad because my friend Chloe was like, you have to read it. But I forgot that Chloe's like low-key a genius. Mm. Like really, really smart. And I was like, oh, right. Chloe's like way smarter than me. Um, I forgot. I wanted more of a like utopian, dystopian world. Yeah. And how much we're sharing on the internet. And there was some of that. But it wasn't it wasn't the main point to anything. And at some sometimes it wasn't even a point at all. It wasn't the underlying point, wasn't mentioned at all. So we've got Bix and his wife Lizzie and then their son Gregory, who is breastfeeding. And at first it's like, oh, okay, cool. But then he like But then he like speaks. And I'm like, no. Is it Game of Thrones point? Yeah, I was like, why are we, st- this is what we're starting off with? Like, I, and honestly, I feel like that, I feel like that should have set me up for my reaction to the rest of the book. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, my, I feel like my true first impressions were just confusion that I thought was going to turn into understanding. And it kind of didn't. It kind of just got worse as it went. I think, not to say that this ruined the book for me, because I think that the book was just not made for me oh yeah listening right hoping that we would circle back to someone and that there would be a thread you know what I mean a thread Uh at the very end like it all pieces together and then Peyton finished it before me but mm, but there is no piecing together and I said oh well there's my motivation it's gone yeah I think I would have set my expectations appropriately if it had been marketed as a collection of short stories. Mm-hmm. Or a humanity interest piece of essays. Yeah. Putting it under a sci-fi novel. That's a lot. My expectations up for failure. That's a, that's a stretch for sure because I feel like with some of the chapters – oh, also one of the reviews that I read because I was like desperate to see what other people thought of this. So I'm reading these reviews. Yesterday and I felt like an asshole. <gasps> oh my gosh. Same. No, and I'll, I'll tell you why later. I will get to that. But um, in these reviews, people either first of all loved it or hated it. Okay. And then they also, someone said that they've read like all her books before. I don't know how many books she's written. Probably only, I don't know. But someone was like, oh, in all of her books, she, they said, I love how she uh, trusts us enough to like have no exposition. And I was like, wait, no, 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 no. Sometimes you need an exposition. Sometimes you do actually need to introduce your characters a little bit more than she did in a lot of the short stories that she had, like perspective wise. Like Jennifer, Lulu. Jennifer, I need you to not trust me. You know what I mean? Don't trust me with it. Just give me. I've got two brain cells. Like, yeah. Uh... No, give me the exposition. I feel like that's why Lulu was the best because we saw Lulu as a child and then you see her older and. You kind of understand a little bit more about Lulu. Like, her story was definitely my favorite, even though it was weird, but it was that was a cool weird. Actually, I would read a whole book just of Lulu's 
everything. The only thing with her is I feel like we did not get like you don't ever find out what her whole deal was with that movie star guy. Oh, yeah. It just ends. Maybe I'm supposed to know. Maybe I was supposed to infer. Okay, maybe. But did I? (laughs) I haven't used my inference skills in a while. (laughs) I did not. I didn't understand it. And I went back and like reread and tried to figure it out. And I was like, wait, you don't. It just finishes. There not not every story, but there were a good chunk that was like, I want to know more. I want to listen to you talk more. I want to understand. And I didn't get to. Like the the oldest or I can't remember if it was the oldest or the twin daughter of the anthropologist and the the music recorder. Uh-huh. I actually wanted to know a lot about her mom. I wanted to understand more about her journey. Yeah. The guy who almost jumps out of a hot air balloon. I went. I liked Miles' story. I liked his story a lot. I wanted to know more, and I also mm-hmm. wanted more about the family he was staying with. I could have read a whole book of just their dynamic and like that. In the the other friend passing away in that in that friend group. Yeah, I wanted to know more about that backstory and the development and how everyone healed, but I didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah, and I feel like for me it just kind of made a few of the characters seem really shallow and I'm I'm almost like you need an exposition. If you want like a well-developed character, you need to give us a little bit more to go off of than what we got for a few of these characters. Miles, I loved the insight into Miles because he you really saw his like true thought process and like what was going on with him and his reasons for everything that he did and I just liked, I really liked Miles' story because of that. I feel like it was the most, I don't know. I feel like it was the most detailed one when it came to the character. I was trying to take notes during, I think I was like 30% through. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't taken good notes of each chapter. because I didn't know if we were going to bounce back and forth like we have been for the SJM books, which I don't think would have been appropriate. And I don't think it would have followed. It would have made no sense. No. But even my notes within one story didn't make sense because some of the storylines are a few days and then some of the storylines are like 30 years and then just be bopping around. And I was emotionally exhausted trying to write my notes because after writing my notes, I was like, I look like I'm schizophrenic. I look like I don't know what happened. And I think I think I know what happened, but maybe I don't. Also, oh, oh, because I was just looking at this on my notes. I just thought it was so weird, the constant mentioning of Ames and how they always forgot him because he was the middle brother. Like, to me, it just didn't really make a lot of sense because you don't actually just forget a sibling. Like, it's like we took the middle sibling joke too far, almost. Like, they don't, they're not actually going to forget he exists. Now, Alfred... I don't know what was up with Alfred, but you're not going to forget your middle brother. Yeah. And I don't know. Jennifer Jennifer is giving um, only child energy, and that's coming from a fellow only child. Like, I don't think you actually know what a middle child <laughs> does. I don't care, but you really don't. <laughs> That was funny. Who's just like, what would it be like to have a middle brother? I'd probably forget about them. 
I was actually so sad about his ending. Did you get to his ending? I don't remember. Ending. I use the word ending very loosely. So Ames was, was so sad because he moves back into their family house. It says, so Ames moved back into the family house and married and began having kids. Filled the living room with rubber balls that had to be kicked aside blah, blah, blah. And the years flew out like calendar pages, blah, blah, blah. His wife mopping his sweaty brow when he woke up screaming. But there's a false bottom under this happy ending, a hollowness around the world. Words. Can you hear it? There was no wife. There were no children. So I don't know if that's supposed to mean like he hoped that he'd have a wife and kids and never did, or if he hallucinated them. Is he... Is he institutionalized? Is all of this fake? Is all of this a mental gymnastics? What if... Yeah. Since we, since we deserve no explanation because we're too smart. What if all of this is actually Ames' imagination? Every single storyline, and that's why there's no ending. Hmm. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe. I'd prefer that. I would prefer the ending to say, and it was all a dream. And it was all a dream. Ugh. Oh, okay. Bix? I feel like, oh, hold on. I meant to do this earlier. I'm going to look up a picture of Jennifer Egan because I have a thought about her. Okay. Theory confirmed. She's, listen, so this author is white. Bix is the creator of Own Your Unconscious. Okay. And so he's like the inventor of it. Oh, before you say what you're going to say, can I tell you who I picture whenever I picture Bix? Even though this is not, not canonical. Okay. Okay. As they describe him very clearly. Have you seen Ted Lasso? You know the angry, the angry fullback who becomes captain. That's kind of funny. But he's described as having dreads, so I forget if that's his. No, no, no! no. Remember the dreads. The dreads. <laughs> he didn't even have dreads. I guess I think he said he did when he was younger. <laughs> it was a fake. Ha- okay, so back to Jennifer Egan <laughs> being white. So she, by the way, Sydney and I are white, okay? Just saying. I don't know if you can tell. But, um, so he is black and she has to mention in his point of view chapter so much about how when he's talking about him and his wife, he said, uh, basically her parents didn't really approve of them. Um, they're from San Antonio and I feel like he, I feel like she's never been to San Antonio. Well, okay. That, and I feel like they're acting like it's so hoity-toity. I'm like, it's San Antonio. But he says, was the, like, oh, he was asking like, why, why did she choose him? She said, and he said, still, why? Was the sex really that good? Well, yes. Was his self-esteem so low that he indulged his white girlfriend's magical thinking without protest? Had he enjoyed being her illicit secret? On that, I wrote, this is just weird. And a lot of the things that, huh? I feel like she's projecting. I feel like it's performative on her end. It's, it's very weird. Like, I feel like it's very forced and she feels like she has to mention something about it. Okay, so you hear all these terms and you're like, oh, she'll explain that in a couple of pages. Like, well, you know, like the exposition to a Sarah J. Mass book. She says something, but then finally explains it 100 pages later. No, not nothing. No, none at all. I did eventually figure it out. Okay, so eluders managed to like get their identity offline. 
and then they also like uh are just opposed to the the mandala thing in general and then isn't the is the proxy somebody that one of those people hire to be their fake online right yeah 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 a proxy is like the fake i kind of thought of it as like ai like an ai version of yourself online yeah okay like they have okay for them and they just kind of went off the grid and were like that's i'm not them yeah um, like uh the two girls mom how she did that that's what I feel like it was. And then, so it was that. Oh, and then the counters. And at first, so Alfred, one of the characters, Alfred, he. What the fuck are they counting? Okay, so why are they called a counter? I did not understand that. What, like, what were they counting? Their job is basically to, like. What I read that I thought hmm. that I understood was that the people that were counters were basically, I mean, neurodivergent adults. Uh huh. Stereotype them probably an autistic or OCD type personality. Uh huh. Counting like while they're talking to you, they might be counting every eyelash on your eye or all your freckles. And they harnessed that skill and compulsion into their job, but I don't know what they were counting. Why was it so important that they count so much? Yeah, it was basically they they. Also, the part where the counters were talking about how um, someone, like, inside the counters did something. So, okay, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, why are they not describing it? It's because we don't know. We don't, we don't know. know. Like, genuinely, if you read this, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Unless you do know and you're smarter than us, um, help us out. But, first of all, what are they counting? Second of all, at some point... The counters are all being interrogated by the FBI or someone, and yeah. they're like, hey, there's a, is it a weevil? Is there a weevil? No, because that's like a thing in your brain. It's the eluders. Like, something about an eluder, which is similar, it it's classified someone who doesn't want to be online and who is anti this technology, but I don't, I just don't understand yeah, because they're like, oh, someone in the counters is basically against the counters and against the technology, and they're trying to figure out who it is, and they find out who it is. But again, like, I I really wish I had more words to explain the things that I read in this book and to understand the things that I read in this book, but, like, I'm so serious. I, I feel like I learned – I got nothing out of this. I feel really bad saying that, but I really don't feel like I got anything out of this. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. What, what did you rate the book and why? Okay. I just watched a TikTok of this girl who's an author who's probably like a Kindle Unlimited author, right? You know, You know what I'm talking about. And she said – she was like practically in tears in this video. And she's like, when you read a book, you have to rate it at least three stars. Authors work so hard on it and blah, 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 blah. And everyone roasted her. It was so bad. Because like, sure, it's a lot of work. But like you, you chose to put that out there for free judgment. And people keep saying reviews are not for the author. Like reviews are for readers to figure out if they like it or not and i mean i'm gonna be honest for me it's not hard for me to give a three star recommendation my three stars is if i think someone will like it somewhere yes the bar yes. is 
not high. No, no. My three stars is like, well, okay, I kind of, since it's five stars and on Storygraph you can do half stars and stuff, I consider 2.5 to be, it was a book, I read it, I genuinely have no feelings about it. A three would be like, I liked it, a four would be like, I loved it, and a five would be like, life-changing. That's just my personal, like, rating scale. So I gave it a 2.5, which sounds low. It sounds low. It's not. It's like literally halfway between all the numbers. Yeah. So I gave it a 2.5 because it was a book and I read it. And I didn't even necessarily not enjoy it. I did enjoy it at parts, but I just didn't understand it. Like you said, it w- it wasn't for me. I tried it. It was for the Chloe's of the world. That's <laughs> what it was for. So similar to Peyton, 2.5 is neutral. It's a book. Someone's probably going to like it. I didn't have a lot of feelings. I had a lot of feelings. I'm not a DNFer. I am a finisher. I'll be cranky about it. You're no quitter. (laughs) Yeah. When I was going to rate this book, I tried to compare it to some of our reads last year that I didn't love. So I compared my feelings while reading the book my feelings during Outlaw and my feelings during um, Romantic Comedy because those were my okay. lowest last year. Okay. And I felt less good while reading it compared to those. And those were twos and 2.5s. So I did give it one and a half stars, but I don't feel that bad because Jennifer Egan is a New York Times bestselling author and she doesn't need my stars. She can she can handle it, yeah. For yeah, sure. Um, I would actively not recommend it to most people. Yes, for sure. Very, very, very very specific. Yeah. And there are good elements. It wasn't necessarily poor writing. It's just not something that I want to read. And if it wasn't a podcast book, I would have DNF'd it. And I'm not a DNF'er. No, same. Same. actively don't finish a book during the year it's hardly ever because i don't like it it's more because i get distracted that's true no that's that's true for sure i would have made the conscious choice to like turn this way in early yeah yeah i just feel like you she i don't know i feel like everything was so underdeveloped and i'm not gonna enjoy something if it's underdeveloped in my head. So that's Peyton's head. I agree. Like, I needed more. But I feel like more of my problem with it was the lack of a point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, okay. I what? also... No. I also wonder... Because I'm trying to... I'm trying to... Honestly, I've actually been thinking about it a lot. Like, really trying to wrap my head around it and think about it a lot. I'm wondering... If it warrants a reread just to see if it makes me understand it more, which can do (laughs) does not sound like fun, but I'm just curious because I feel like there, okay, obviously the, what the point was going to be, what you think the point should be is like how technology affects us. And, um, I mean, we didn't really talk about it much because it honestly wasn't even explored that much. I, and I feel I like that book. I want to read the book that's like we have this new technology that mm-hmm. 
the cloud in our world and our oversharing. Mm-hmm. How does that affect people? How does that affect your mental health? How do people, um, where, where are the friction points? Where do people, mm-hmm. how does that affect culture? I want to read that book. And I thought yeah. that's what I was reading. That so, so interesting. My, my thought is, okay, because it's supposed to be about like, this technology and stuff. So maybe she intentionally also didn't like talk about that that much. And she just talked about like how people's daily lives are influenced by something like this, which would kind of make sense for the mehness of it. But then you've got stories like the one about um the crazy mom who stood in the that neighbor's backyard. Like that what did that have to do with any of the technology that affects them? Then you've got scream in public compulsively oh my god alfred and his authenticity i actually thought the authenticity thing was really interesting um have you ever seen lie to me it's on hulu Mm-mm. so it's about it's actually based on a semi-true concept it's about a scientist who studied micro expressions so like the itty bitty movements that your face makes whenever you're talking you're telling a story or reacting to something that show your true intention versus what we project and huh. he sold his information in talk classes for like the FBI and all these things. And he was hired as like a consult. Oh. And he had someone that was working for him that was trained in these micro expressions. And he decided that he wanted to be radically honest. And he called it radical authenticity. And basically, in order to never lie and never mislead somebody, he just always said his stream of consciousness. So if like he walked into a room, he'd be like, you're hot. And we're like, that's not appropriate. And he goes, well... Mm. I'm radically authentic. Okay, Alfred. Okay. That that's what that reminded me of. Okay. That is it also makes me think of oh, now I'm forgetting the term for it, but like intentional disruption. Oh, were yeah. you I mean, it, it, Alfred says he's searching for authentic reactions, okay? But all he gets is unauthentic reactions of people like telling him he can't do that or whatever cuz he's just going to sit there on the subway and scream. It's almost like you don't want authenticity. You want disruption. You're looking for the reaction. To me, that's just. I think you have a narcissistic personality disorder. (laughs) Dude, that is it. That is it. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What was the other word that went along with authenticity? Word casing. I thought word casing was really interesting because it kind of talks about how like that author lady who wrote about in the book, she wrote about authenticity and she talked about word casing, how sometimes we hide like words within what they like the true meaning of words within another word. And she talked about how technology has like lowered our language. And I'm like, I feel the opposite. I feel like technology has led to more originality in language than anything. Like that's what I, I don't know. I could definitely see both sides. I think that technology has given creativity room to thrive, but then it also allows for there to be a lot more quick trends and things that people fall into and quick for sure. bingo that catches on randomly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also think that technology, at least whenever you look at children, like looking at it from a person who's worked in the school system point of view, the instant gratification of technology has greatly diminished like critical thinking skills and problem solving and things like that, which might lead to lessened um, 
ability to sift through context and maybe those word casing things. I don't know. It's weird. Another thing that I kind of was thinking about is um, just the whole own your unconscious thing in general, how you can like stream your own conscious, but then also show other like people what it is. And then basically people can hack your brain somehow um, was interesting. Would have loved, like you said, would have loved a whole sci-fi book on that. Like it was actually like, like a Michael Crichton sci-fi is what I was hoping for. That was what I was hoping for. Last year, I feel like I had a great run with sci-fi and this just, I don't know. I'm, I'm scared I'm missing the point, honestly. I think that there might not have been one. Even like the reviews that I read that were positive were that it talked more about the humanity dissecting portion and less about the technology. So, like, absolutely, one of the reviews that I read said, like, this is a great human interest piece. Like, I got so much from the uh, familial relations and the mental health journeys. I love that. The blurb and everything else I've read references the point being the technology relationship, and I didn't get it. I might have missed the point. I completely agree. No, I completely agree. Because I think the the human themes that it touched on, grief, loss, anxiety, um, PTSD, like I think that all of those themes that it touched on was done well would have been done well if we had a little more insight into all the characters and maybe the stories were a little bit longer i feel like this book was very quantity of characters over quality of characters personally and again yeah the blurbs was making it sound like technology was going to be the whole thing about it and it was more character based than anything but i this is the funny thing about it because you know the story graph questions it gives you where it's like was this more plot driven or character driven I would say character-driven. If it's driven at all, it is by characters. Even though you learn nothing about the characters. You learn so much, yet you learn nothing. Basically. It was thought-provoking. Yeah, I got thought. (laughs) Many, many thoughts. (laughs) But yeah. yeah. Okay, I actually do have a quote that I kind of, I did actually enjoy. Um, And I thought, and this was like kind of at the end, this was in Gregory's point of view. So Gregory, the baby, mm, not baby, three-year-old from the beginning, he is one of the last chapters. And he, oh, first of all, he talks about how he remembers breastfeeding. And I was like, "Mm, uh, you shouldn't remember breastfeeding. That's embarrassing. That's Scary. Uh, so, okay, he said, because he is like talking about all of the people. This actually was a whole interesting part because he talks about people that he's people watched and how um, technology has affected their lives and how there is a man doing things to himself while his wife slash partner fed their toddler daughter in the next room. Um yikes and then it just talks about a bunch of those things and so he says in regards to all of these people that he people watches who are affected by technology he says social media was dead everyone agreed 
Self-representations were inherently narcissistic or propagandic or both, and grossly inauthentic. I mean, it's not wrong. It is the most authentic thing to stream your consciousness for other people to see. And that's what his dad invented. So I love this quote. It just, it cracks me up. Self-representations, which is what social media is, is inauthentic. It's so funny to me. Yeah, It's so true. I thought that was a cool quote, actually. I was like, oh, highlight. Yeah. Like there were, there were good nuggets, but usually I like my, my favorite quote to it means something in the story and none of the quotes meant anything because none of the quotes develop into anything so there are no. good nuggets of information there are provoking yeah. things but it doesn't build there is no conclusion there is no climax you know that little roller coaster that we learned in like second grade there's no roller coaster and i do appreciate a non-linear plot but not like this not like this no not um, yeah, I <laughs> both <laughs> both. Um, I would recommend this to mm, the only person I could think I'd recommend this to recommended it to me. Yeah, I, like if you, I would recommend maybe some stories out of it, like for a specific person at a specific time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you, absolutely. Hey, here's a short story. That might help you. But Absolutely. As a whole, I have a hard time saying like, ah, oh, great read. Let's just look at this because I, maybe I can't read. I don't know. Um, it just, it just says it delves into themes of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it didn't delve into anything really. It opens with Bix, whose company Mandala is so successful. He, and then it de- Right here in the blurb, it actually depicts him um, much more deeply than he's depicted in the story. It says, own your unconscious allows you to access every memory you've ever had and to share every memory in exchange for access to the memories of others. And it talks about that. And then it in the story itself, you're just supposed to infer that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it does actually. It does explain counters in here, which is kind of funny. Oh, I get it now. In the world of Egan's spectacular imagination, there are counters who track and exploit desires. That's what it is. And there are eluders, those who understand the price of taking a bite of the candy house. And if I have to read the blurb to understand something in your book. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe you should just explain the counter's job in that one sentence in the chapter about the counters. Oh, do you think? Yeah, exactly. The Candy House is a bold, brilliant imagining of a world that is moments away. I wouldn't define it as bold. It is literally a classic motif. With an emphasis on gaming, portals, and alternate worlds. What? Did that ever come up? What is that even talking about? Okay, so they need to go fix the blurb, and I feel like this book would have a way higher rating. And besides, what's a New York Times best-selling book? <laughs> what's the committee do you want to know who's in a visit from the goon squad sasha Mm. yeah i'm not gonna read it don't wiggle your eyebrows traumatized actually technically i'm four percent in why Mm -hmm. 
I'm not going to put it, I'm not going to start tracking it unless I find it worthy. I'm curious. I want to know. That was it. That was, that was the candy house by Jennifer Egan. Um, wouldn't strongly recommend it, but I am almost sort of glad we read it. Yeah. Okay, no one, absolutely no one should be surprised by what our next read along is going to be. Um, we are going to do House of Flame and Shadow by Sarah G. Mass. I don't see how we couldn't, okay? Um, so, sorry, not sorry for another SJM book, okay? But we're doing it. So, Sydney has our blurb. She's going to intro. <laughs> Bryce ends up dropped in the world of Akatar, which, if you're my dad and you're listening and you have no context, is another world by this author. Picture Marvel, okay? Bryce Quinlan never expected to see a world other than Midgard, but now that she has, all she wants is to get back. Everything she loves is in Midgard. Her family, her friends, her mate. Stranded in a strange new world, she's going to need all her wits about her to get home again. And that's no easy feat when she has no idea who to trust. Hunt Athelar has found himself in some deep holes in his life, but this one might be the deepest of all. After a few brief months with everything he ever wanted, he's in the Asteri's dungeons again, stripped of his freedom and without a clue as to Bryce's fate. He's desperate to help her, but until he can escape the Asteri's leash, his hands are quite literally tied. In this sexy, breathtaking sequel to the number one bestsellers, House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky Breath, SJM's Crescent City series reaches new heights as Bryson Hunt's world is brought to the brink of collapse with its future resting on their shoulders. It already has almost 1,300 reviews in Storygraph. Oh! Average rating is a 4.49. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I love, you know, the question, diverse cast of characters. Like, of course, it's a divert, diverse cast of characters. You've got humans, you've got fae, you've got mares. Plus, I, I heard people bash SJM for that, saying that, like, the token Black person is mystical. And I think, I, I don't know where it comes from in history history, but you know that really, really, really racist Disney show that got taken off of Disney Plus? The one with the with the slave that takes the little white boy from the plantation on a magical trip. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. What? You should go on a deep dive on TikTok. And you're no, I should. Do you still have your bingo card? Because I actually wanted to see if, like, see if, if any of them happened. And just like a quick warning, this is going to have, like, spoiler non-spoilers, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, low-key spoilers, it's not going to affect your enjoyment or anything of the book but if you don't even want like a single bit of information i wouldn't even listen to this okay so yeah i'm gonna read some of my bingo card things that i'm just, just now remembering since i'm a dummy and then screenshot them and i'm just gonna react to your facial reactions and dictate them to the audience okay air one. Oh, eyes are closed there's a head shake i can't tell if it's because she's trying not to give it away or because it's funny that he even said his name Oh, gosh. Um, Aelin, which I think I've already seen, not spoiled because it doesn't happen, but I feel I feel like I've already seen that she's not here. That we, that we get hints 
So I was just kind of hopeful, but not hopeful. We talked about it. Bryce and Nesta dance off. Similar? Okay. That wasn't a facial expression. Sorry. I didn't play the game right. I'll take a a word like that. My bad. Elaine doing literally anything cool. It's a it's a frown. It's a not happening. Tamlin being in some relation, doing some kind of work with the Daglin or the Vow, whether it's on purpose or not. Pin looks real tight lipped. <laughs> it's a hard frown, but also highly uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't wait till we talk about this and everyone can understand why I'm not even like yeah. Um, this isn't a theory, but I just want to see Nick. Oh no. Okay. Okay. That wasn't a promising facial expression. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I have anxiety. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, don't. Don't. Nix is fine. Nix is fine. Okay. Just the concept of light calls to light. Well, we all know that that happens, right? But you run right. way too hard. I know. That's for Yeah. That gives me concern. <laughs> don't be concerned, but like... Fat boys with guns. I I wish. I wish. I wish. Maybe Hunt and Bryce not being in the game. Peyton doesn't think that's accurate. She put her hands up. Or or she's not touching it because it's true. I can't tell. She's she's good at this. She got a good poker face. Learning the the Archeron parent backgrounds. Oh, interesting. Do we? Do we? I'm just trying not to laugh. Okay. And um, bad paintings. I did already read about a painting of the Midgard worm, and that feels like that's got to be bad. Oh yes, yes, yes. Because Nesta talks about it. Yes. I see a painting of it, and grotesque. <laughs> two out of two stars. Danica secrets. We get any more? Actually, I'm really trying to remember. I'm really trying to think. Okay. Cormac is alive. She covered her face. Oh, man. All right. That's all I got for now. Okay. It is really good so far. I'm not surprised by this 4.49 rating at all. There's a lot of POV shifts, but I kind of love that sometimes they're mid-chapter because I'm like, I just want to go back to Akatar. Now I just want to go back to Declan and Flynn and Emmett. I was, it was, uh, yeah. It was well, it's well-paced so far. I'm only 13% in. I was confused. I feel like she usually d- uses a chapter as like a major POV break and like in Throne of Glass, like she never switches between like what's going on on this continent to this continent within a chapter. But then in this one, it's it's it is all switching between chapters, which I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what, who, what, where, what? Basically. Yeah. But the anxiety that I have, where I want to know everything all the time, is pleased. I my notes are insane because I'm either reading way too far into it or I'm catching everything. I I there's no in between. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I feel that I have lots of highlights, lots of notes so far, and lots of things that I didn't remember. Like, um, yeah. Oh gosh, I remember highlighting something and be like, "Did we know this?" I absolutely. I've done that multiple times at this point. Oh, yep. 
Lydia having witch blood, Lydia and Hypaxia. And I know that she talked about it, but I was like, oh, I forgot that we knew that they were witches. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that's the next read-along. Our read-along is live, actually. It was live before the book even came out, so we could do like a little pre-reading for them. But um, if this is, if you're caught up in the SJM world, do not read this if you're not. Do not think that you can. Do you think if you're not done with Tog that you can read this so far? I wouldn't. I don't, I wouldn't personally, but do you think that it would be a spoiler spoiler for Tog? I guess you could read this and then read Tog. Read at your own risk. Read at your own risk. Right. And I tried to make this very clear, by the way, on the read-along, but I'm going to say it here now, too. Any spoiler for, like, SJM books is, like, I'm not going to say, like, people mark as a spoiler. Like, the only spoilers we're going to worry about for this read-along is spoilers for this book. Like, absolutely read at your own risk. Read along at your own risk, too, because we can't be labeling every single thing ever as a spoiler. Like, you, it's kind of just, I'm setting the expectation now, everybody, that you're so, caught up. Read at your own risk. And if you're on BookTok, scroll through TikTok at your own risk. Because I'm Oh, my scared. God. I'm scared for my life. Me, too. Okay, I think we're done, right? I think we're good. Yeah, we're good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Get Booked Up. Read along with us on the story graph. There will be a link provided in the episode notes and in our bio. And if you want, you can follow us on Storygraph at sydneyw underscore 33 and p431. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Let's Get Booked Up Pod. We'd love to see you join our community of readers. Bye! Bye.